I'm Pastor Brian Oberg, and I'm so grateful that you've joined us for this time of worship together. I had a childhood friend who, as an adult, used to sign every letter with Philippians 4.4. And after receiving more than one of these, I one day said, what's so special about Philippians 4.4 that she would add it to every signature? And so I decided, I'm going to look it up and look at that verse and when I did, here's what I read. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. And then I understood. That little verse was how she stayed positive, how she stayed uh, encouraged and uplifted. And by adding it to every signature and every note that she sent, she was passing it along to everyone else. So meaningful is this verse that it has actually been turned into a very well-known chorus. Uh, who hasn't sung, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I will say rejoice. If you were to take uh, a hymnal that has that chorus in it and look up which topic it falls under in the topical guide, you would discover that it's under the topic of thankfulness. So joy or rejoicing is the inner disposition from which thankfulness flows. Thankfulness, then, is the natural outgrowth of rejoicing in the heart. And so what the Bible is teaching us is where true Christian joy exists in a person's heart, it will always affect our temperament, always affect our mentality, and always our outlook. This morning, as we come together here in this worship service, I want to bring a message entitled, The Power of Rejoicing in the Lord. And I want us to look at the encouragements that the Apostle Paul gives to us that we might rejoice together in the Lord. Now, here's the very first one. Rejoicing is God's gift to believers, in other words, this joy that Paul is talking about is a supernatural thing. It comes from the Lord himself, and it is only for those who are believers and belong to the family of God. When Paul says here, rejoice in the Lord, that little expression, in the Lord, means two things. Number one, it means that we are a Christian. The Lord Jesus has come to live within us. The Bible teaches us that when we repent of our sins and we turn to Jesus and we cast ourselves upon his mercy and trust of what he has done for us in his cross and in his resurrection, that we are united to him in a supernatural relationship. The Holy Spirit comes into our life and brings the very life of God with him and unites us to the Lord Jesus so that he now lives within us. The second thing that this expression means is that when Jesus comes in, he brings the joy of the Lord with him. So it means that Jesus is the source of our joy, and he's also the reason why we have this supernatural joy. You might remember in the book of Nehemiah, the exiles had returned from Babylon and back to Jerusalem, and they were rebuilding the walls uh, under very discouraging circumstances. And in Nehemiah 8.10, Nehemiah sought to encourage them, and he said to them this, The joy of the Lord is your strength. 
Now, it is very possible that that is in the back of Paul's mind as he calls upon us to rejoice in the Lord. It's interesting, when Nehemiah says the joy of the Lord in the Old Testament, that's a Hebrew construct. And what it means is the Lord is the origin. He's the source. He's the author of our joy. You know that when the Jewish people returned and were rebuilding the walls, one of the things that happened is the scribe, Ezra, came and taught them from the book of the law. And that's what the book of Ezra is all about. And as he taught them the law, the people realized that the Babylonian captivity and all that they had suffered was because of their sin. And Nehemiah tells us they were grieved, they were crushed, they were weighed down with sorrow and remorse. And Nehemiah reminded them that the same God who had disciplined them was the God who also continued to love them. When he said the joy of the Lord, he used the personal name Yahweh that reminded God's people that they were in a covenant relationship with him. God was their father who loved them. He forgave them and he would still bless them. And it was their joy in God that would give them the strength to go on despite all that had happened in their past. And so Philippians 4.4, 4, it's talking about an inner joy. It is the joy a believer has when regardless of the circumstances, that believer says, Jesus loves me. He has saved me. He's with me, and in every situation, he is still being good to me. You know, there's an author by the name of Dennis Holy, and he wrote a book, Are You Happy? And it's interesting, in his research for that book, this is what he discovered. Only 20% of Americans are happy. I want you to think about that for just a moment. Of the typical Americans, only two out of ten are genuinely happy. So if we were to go in any place in American society, every ten people we were to meet, only two of those people would be genuinely happy. I think I know why. Many Americans do not know the person who is the source of real joy. And because they don't know him, they cannot experience the supernatural joy that he brings to our lives. Um, back in 1978, there was a well-known person who was interviewed in People magazine. And I want to read what this person said. I want you to think, who is this person? Now, when I tell you who it is, you will not be surprised once you know. Here's what he said. I sit in my house in Buffalo, and sometimes I get so lonely, it's unbelievable. Life has been so good to me. I've got a great wife, good kids, money, my own health, and I'm lonely and bored. I often wondered why so many rich people commit suicide. Money sure isn't a cure-all. The person who said that was O.J. Simpson. And he said that long before he was convicted in civil court for two infamous murders. And in his boredom and in his aloneness, 
Had he turned to the Lord, he would have found that only Jesus satisfies. And imagine how different things could have been had he discovered that. All of the pain and suffering that he inflicted on others might never have happened if he had found his joy in Jesus. You see, this is a supernatural gift that only God gives. The second thing that we learn about this is that rejoicing cannot be canceled by our circumstances. Once we have this relationship with Jesus, no matter what happens, we can experience this joy. The Apostle Paul here says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Always. So no matter what our circumstances are, we can always rejoice in the Lord. And I think all of us today have a question, how can that be? Paul, how can that be? Because there are so many situations that are painful, hard, devastating. I mean, we are in a painful situation right now for many in our world who will not easily get over what has occurred, and some may never get over what they have gone through. And so we want to say to the Apostle Paul, Paul, aren't you being unrealistic here? Rejoice always? Well, what is the answer, I think, to that question? Well, Paul clearly here is not saying that we should never feel sad over our losses and hurts. He's not saying that we should just deny the pain that we're in. But what he is saying is this. Our earthly losses as a believer remind us to turn our attention to the Lord. And in every situation, one thing we can always do is turn our attention to our Lord. And what do we find as a Christian when we do that? We find he's always there, isn't he? We find that his promises are always true, aren't they? And we find that his blessings will always be eternal and really ours from time into eternity. And knowing that gives to us a wonderful deep peace and a contentment, even despite very painful loss. I wonder if you've ever seen a person who was crying and smiling at the same time. That's a very rare thing. If you've ever seen that, you know you don't see it a lot. And if you ever have seen it, you never forget it. You don't forget where you were. And you don't forget the person who was smiling and crying at the same time. One of my mentors in the ministry was a man by the name of Pastor Bob. And he passed away of cancer. And when I heard of his death, I went to his home to be an encouragement to his family. And when I arrived, his son, Dr. Jim Pluteman, who was a very well-known missionary, answered the door. And when he opened that door... Tears were streaming down his face, and yet there was a smile on his lips. And I had never before in my life seen that. I was surprised he was smiling and crying at the same time. Crying because he had just lost a beloved father-in-law who was very dear to him. 
but smiling because he knew Pastor Bob had gone to heaven where there's no more pain, no more tears, no more crying, no more cancer. And even the hardest events of life cannot disturb the eternal promises of Jesus Christ. And so here is the paradox of the Christian, crying on the outside, yet on the inside experiencing the joy of the Lord. Well, there's a third encouragement that the Apostle Paul gives to us here that we might be people that rejoice in the Lord. And that third encouragement is this, rejoicing is needed most when things look the worst. That is, in things in our lives are, are actually looking the very worst, that's when rejoicing in the Lord is needed most. And I can just hear an objection that we might raise to that. We might scratch our heads and say, well, wait a minute. Are you telling me the time that we need to rejoice in the Lord the most is when we least feel like doing it? And that's what Paul is saying. Now, evidently, Paul anticipated that people would object to what he was writing. The Philippians themselves were facing suffering, affliction, persecution, and hardship. You see, Philippi was a military town, and in that town there was fierce loyalty to Caesar. As a Christian, it was very hard to say Jesus is Lord, but not say Caesar is Lord. And the Philippians were experiencing hatred, intimidation, and fear. And so Paul probably knew they would be thinking, he really didn't mean this, it couldn't be. And I think that's one of the reasons why Paul opens his letter the way he does, by detailing his own situation with Roman soldiers. Uh, we read about that earlier in our service in the responsive reading. What was Paul saying to the Philippians? He was saying to them, I'm going through exactly what you're going through. I'm surrounded by Roman soldiers as well. I've experienced injustice. I've suffered. There are fears that I'm facing just like you are in that Roman colony. You see, Paul was no ivory tower theologian. What he was calling for, he himself was doing. And so he adds this little phrase, again, I will say, rejoice. I've carefully thought it through, says Paul, and I really mean this. In fact, this is what I'm doing. No matter what happens, rejoice in the Lord always. You need to do this. Now, what then does Paul mean here? Well, I think what he means, partially, is that the time in which we need to rejoice in the Lord the most is when things look the worst. You see, by turning our attention to the Lord and rejoicing in who He is, what He's done for us, and how He's blessed us, we will find healing for our souls. And that healing will keep us from giving in to despair. In other words, rejoicing in the Lord will give us strength to make it through our times of difficulty. 
Two of my former professors were very well-known Christian psychiatrists, Paul Meyer and Frank Minrith. Uh, Frank Minrith uh, has now gone on to be with the Lord. As far as I know, uh, Dr. Meyer is still alive. But they wrote many helpful books that have been a blessing to many people. One of their most well-known is a book, Happiness in a Cho is a Choice. And many people have been blessed by that book. They have a comment in the book about this verse, Philippians 4.4. And let me read with you what they say. Paul was not urging us to be unrealistic. He was not saying that we should never feel sad. Even Jesus wept. And I want you to think about that. Jesus wept at the tomb of Lazarus. And think about this. He was preparing to raise him from the dead. And he knew all the sadness would be done away with. And people would be filled with happiness. And yet, Jesus, knowing that, still wept. The sadness of death still affected Jesus. And so Paul is not urging us to be unrealistic, but listen to what Dr. Meyer and Dr. Menrith continue to say. However, Paul was advocating, focusing on the blessings we have in Christ and being grateful for these, regardless of how sad we may feel at any particular time. That's, I think, the point that Paul is making. This focus upon the Lord will help us make it through the healing process. It doesn't mean we won't need a healing process. We'll go through the stages of grief many times in our lives, like everyone else, over the difficult problems that happen in life. And some of those stages will take a long time for us to get over. But it's the Lord's joy that will help us through those times. You know, I, I love it when psychiatric studies confirm what the Bible teaches. And some time ago, I read this little article, and the first line really caught my attention. Listen to this first line. What really makes people satisfied with their lives? And boy, that grabs your attention, doesn't it? Because we all want to live a life that is satisfying. And the article continued to this. Amazingly, the secret may lie in a person's ability to handle life's blows without blame or bitterness. These are the conclusions of a study of 173 men who have been followed since they graduated from Harvard University for years and years and years. The study reported in the American Journal of Psychiatry, and it noted that one potent predictor of well-being was the ability to handle emotional crisis maturely. One predictor of well-being is when crisis comes into our life, we can handle that crisis maturely. You see, by rejoicing in the Lord, what that does is that heals our emotions. And that enables us to handle life's blows. And this is a potent predictor of well-being. It's the power of rejoicing in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always, says the Apostle Paul. And again I tell you, 
rejoice. And when we do, we'll be able to handle the crises that come our way in a way that heals our souls. And that will lead to our well-being in any situation as the Lord ministers His wonderful grace in our lives. Let's take a moment, shall we, and thank Him for that. And if you're watching today and you might say, I'm not sure that I have this relationship with the Lord. I'm not sure that His supernatural joy has invaded my life by His Holy Spirit who has been given to me. Here at Bethel Baptist Church in Marquette, we would love to help you. And so if you want to contact us in any way that we can be of an encouragement to you, we would love to. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for what we have in our wonderful Savior. We thank you that by faith in his name, that we have been brought into the family of God. The Holy Spirit has connected us to the very life of God. And there is a supernatural joy that is our birthright. And while it doesn't take away the pain of our lives, nor eliminate the difficulties that we go through, it does give us a resource that is always there. And that resource is the Lord himself. He loves us. He has saved us. He is with us. His promises never fail. His eternal blessing is ours now and forever into eternity. And in every situation, we can turn to him for the strength that he provides. Lord, we love you today. And we know the reason we love you is because you first loved us. How we thank you for Jesus' sake. Amen.